Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Woman Being Podcast. I am Kelly Werner, and I'm here with the amazing Kellyanne Carter and Emma Williams. Wow, full We're doing names. full names today, people. <laughs> just in case you didn't know what our names were, I just wanted to, like, stretch it out us. a little bit. So now you, you know. Steal our Now you can find us on Instagram. Think about that. Anyways. Ooh. At um, M. Davis Williams. <laughs> <laughs> um, today, we are going to dedicate an entire episode to the big taboo topic of deconstruction and what we think about it. So for any of you that have burning questions about it, this is your episode. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Woman Being Podcast community, where we explore thoughts and opinions and have the freedom to change our minds. Without expectation or judgment, we will hold a safe space and support each other as we navigate together in the form of feminine. So this is going to be our 39th episode, second to last, just a little tease for you guys. We're going to have a season finale, and then we're going to come back in the fall, so we're not done, but we're <laughs> going to take a break because self-care. Yeah. And But it's actually the 40th episode that we've ever recorded. Yes. Right? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you count, because there's also the Zephron episode, which, which we released is, and counts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah you're, you're right, you're yeah. right, you're right. Um, yeah, so then this is our 40th recorded. There's one secret episode you guys haven't heard. <laughs> we didn't release it because it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> it was mediocre at best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we brought other women on to talk about that subject who had more to say about it. Yeah. So yeah. that insight. was good. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that's wild. Here we 40 are. episodes, you guys. And we haven't lost footage or audio of a single one. That is insane to <laughs> Literally, me. Literally, you're going to curse this episode. I like, We're I hope this is it. not the one. No, no, no. We're going to be just fine. <laughs> we will. So, anyways, all of this is stalling to the big reveal, which I already revealed to you in the intro. But we're talking about deconstruction today. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, For anyone who doesn't know, and ladies, feel free to add on to this, deconstruction is the, or at least in the context that we're talking about it, is the concept of breaking down your understanding of your faith. Um, Oftentimes, it's associated with leaving the faith or um, losing your belief in God. Um, But in the context we're talking about it today, it's more about um, unlearning all of the crap that you learned in church and sifting through what's religion, what's broken people, and what is God mm-hmm. is probably how I would describe it. Anything to add to that? I think you hit the nail on the head. Yes. I mean, for me, it's been an unlearning and it's also been like a reclaiming. And like, okay, I've been kind of, I've been raised in this. I've been handed these beliefs. But what do I really think? And like going on that soul searching journey. It's kind of like Jesus's 40 days in the wilderness, except (laughs) much longer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, and I think the three of us have all kind of been on our own journey. They've been parallel in some ways and very different in most ways. Hmm. Um. But I was curious, what started for each of you your journey of deconstruction? And what does deconstruction mean to you on a personal level? Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of stated, like, for me, like, deconstruction has meant, like, what do I believe? And it's been really 
for me, undoing the box, uh, the good girl Christian box I had shoved myself into and kind of like unfolding pieces of myself and discovering more of who I am even as a person. Um, But deconstruction for me really started, I mean, there was a piece of, of Christianity that I was raised with that never really fit fully with me. Um, And it was the conversation around women. I came from a conservative Methodist church in Oklahoma, um, which is the South slash Midwest, depending on who you talk to. Um, And so there's a lot of conservative values. And like, you know how some people are like, I was just born gay. I was born a feminist. (laughs) Like I never fully, I always had that little fiery edge that was like, no, I don't fit fully with this. But for me, the the deconstruction started after I had had a a mental health uh, breakdown, essentially, and I started radically chasing and reclaiming my femininity and learning what that meant to be a woman, to be this beautiful cyclical creature um, that has a lot of unique giftings that we've shoved away, especially in one, our culture, our Western culture and our patriarchal society that doesn't value necessarily the cyclical nature that we carry. And so I became, I began radically chasing after this, this feminine, beautiful understanding of my spirituality on that side. And that trickled into my full on faith, religion, beliefs, because it was also around my relationship with God going after this beautiful feminine situation And um, it's just been a journey ever since. So I'm probably looking at going on four years of deconstruction. Yeah. I feel like for me, deconstruction is not the first word that I would use to describe my journey as a Christian. I, because I wasn't raised in a Christian home, um, I came into the faith without a bunch of preconceptions. And I also came into a very unique Christian environment. Uh, And so it was a place that really encouraged learning and seeking and figuring out for yourself Mm -hmm. what you think uh, the Bible says. And um, that was really, really valuable. Although there were definitely things where I was like, oh, I have to almost deconstruct my secular beliefs and to conform with this Christianity mm-hmm. and then have also later on deconstructed those Christian beliefs that I built up. So like one example that I think of is um, I remember I was at a conference with the church I started going to and uh, I like was trying to get everybody to recycle their cans after our lunch and uh, I think my pastor's wife said something like, oh, like, why do you care about the environment? I was like, um, I mean, I like just always have. And she said something, I don't remember the exact conversation, but it was something to the effect of like, well, like you don't believe in like global warming though, do you? Because at that point in time, I think global warming was like a very anti-Christian thing mm-hmm. um, more than it is now really um and i was like um no i uh (laughs) i just think that like you know as christians we should take care of the earth and she was like okay that's good but like that was really a lie i just said it because i felt like that was the christian answer Mm. um and then like had to later on peel that away and be like no i it's okay to like be an environmentalist and a christian um or then also like 
having people say things like about being a submissive wife and that kind of idea was an idea that I always held loosely. Even when I heard about it, I was kind of like, okay, but like, not really. (laughs) Like, sure, like be submissive, but that doesn't mean like the guy's in control. There's no way. And so um, those, those are things that I think because of not coming from the Christian upbringing, I was able to like filter through, Mm -hmm. um, but still had to sort of break down. And I also feel like for me, deconstruction when I first became a Christian was actually looking at the people around me, like my family members and realizing they didn't line up with this faith that I now had Mm -hmm. and learning how to love them like even though they didn't have the same values as me because that was really hard for me as like a teenager Mm -hmm. I thought I I was angry like that they didn't have the same values that I was now learning about as a Christian Mm -hmm. and so for me I feel like deconstruction is it's breaking apart what you believe right looking at why do you believe what you believe um and in the Christian context, it's also comparing that to the Bible. And so for me, it's looked like, okay, I see, oh, I see how you don't line up with the Bible, but I also see that the Bible tells me to love you. So that's what I'm going to do, you know, or seeing that the Bible actually advocates for like science and for environmental stewardship and (laughs) things like that that are really important to me and the bible actually also advocates for women so that's sort of been the broad strokes and i think one of the big things that was a deconstruction thing for me as i got further on in my christian walk and got older was realizing that the baptist views that i had gained when i first became a christian were not things that i felt aligned with the 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 fullness of practicing Christianity that I wanted Mm. and that I sought after. But it was very gradual, and I feel like the Lord is really, like, kind to me and keeping it very gradual as he slowly revealed things to me. For example, like, walking in spiritual gifts and the more charismatic side of Christianity and um, worship and things like that that weren't really prevalent in the Baptist church. Mm. So all that to say. Yeah. Deconstruction (laughs) takes many forms. It does. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, deconstruction for me, I think, personally, has really meant, like, separating what is people and what is God, I think, is a big piece of it. I think there's a lot of well-meaning Christians out there who who truly believe what they say, but are hurting people mm-hmm. unintentionally through spiritual manipulation and, like ignorance really and um so that I think was hard for me and just like I think I'm in a process currently of learning to love the church in the mess that is the church and then um also it's meant like learning not to perform Mm. because I think um I spent so much of my life doing whatever it took to be a good Christian. And it's from an authentic place, not from a place of like, I want to appear good so I can do whatever I want. It's like, I truly wanted to like live up to the standard of what I thought a good Christian was. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the last couple of years most recently have been me learning to be loved when I can't perform. Mm -hmm. 
and when I don't have anything to give and when I am just like at my weakest spiritually. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think the journey started, I mean, like any kid, it started after I graduated high school and moved out of the house, you know, and like starting to like realize, oh, some of those purity culture things weren't good. And oh, modesty didn't make sense. And oh, like my purity comes from God and not from like my abstinence. So like mm-hmm. purity is a concept that humans actually cannot achieve with that, like aside from God and mm-hmm. things like that. It's like, so why did I strive so hard? And why are so many girls so sh- ashamed when it's nothing that they can actually earn in the first place? You know, things like that. Um, and then I think being on the missions field is really where like I started to like unravel as a a believer. And it's, I mean, a lot of that with like the people that I was in experiencing spiritual manipulation, experiencing ignorance, but then also having people who were from different sects of Christianity all converging into one and asking me questions and requiring me to find the biblical basis for certain beliefs that I had and things like that. And Mm. so, you know, I went through the struggle of, you know, can women be pastors? Can they not be pastors? I don't know for a really long time until I heard Carolyn Custis James speak and she made me a puddle on the floor because I was like, oh, praise, that's the message I needed. Because I was, like, seriously being like, okay, if there's no place for me in the church, God, and if and it's actually unbiblical for me to have a place in the church, then, like, I'm all wrong, you know? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm fiery. I have, like, vision and dreams and things I want to talk about, and all of those are supposedly antithetical to everything that a woman is supposed to be. So mm-hmm. what what's up with that? So anyways, um... And then I think coming to Reading, I left the missions field. It was a really hard decision, but finally felt like, okay, I can't be here anymore. I kind of, I I say, sort of washed up on the shores of Reading and landed in a very charismatic, very passionate, very highly emotional church. Mm -hmm. And I think I kind of went through... First of all, a process of forgiveness. I would say the first year that I was here was like kind of emptying myself of a lot of anger and bitter resentment that I was holding and kind of emptying myself of my religious practice and trying to learn how to be. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like an overview (laughs) of where I've come from but yeah it's been like phases some of it has been like theological questions some of it has been like identity questions some of it has been Mm -hmm. existential questions so I mean it's kind of all a mixture of things and so in the midst of each of our journeys I'm curious how have you maintained structure in your life how have you remained intact mm-hmm. as things if I mean at least for me it has felt like so many things have unraveled I just like look at the world and I'm like there's nothing left I've got nothing mm-hmm. I just know there's Jesus and that's it yeah but like what has kind of held you in one piece I mean I don't know that I have stayed in one piece to be honest especially with um I've had a massive mental health journey the past four years which has been amazing but I think for me it's come down to honesty and just being open with the right people with the safe people and with um 
who I now believe God to be, like, just brutally honest, like, just all the things. And I'm like, I don't need to structure this in, like, a beautifully well-wrapped prayer. I'm just literally telling you my feelings and my inner thoughts and just the awareness that, like, if I'm going through this, millions of other people probably are as well. And, like, I mean, the right people in your life. I mean, I've had some incredible friends throughout since moving here. I've been in Reading for eight, going on nine years, and I have some incredible people. I mean, finding you ladies, my husband, those have all been very important relationships as I'm able to be honest. But then also, like, finding communities of women, mostly online, um, that are going through a similar process. I mean, I did a women's circle two years in a row, and that was vastly influential in my um, inner healing journey as well as reclaiming my femininity and how I perceive femininity and spirituality and deconstruction as a whole. And so finding people that are going after similar things has been really, really helpful, even if it's not like I'm actively talking to you every day. It's like, hey, like we all watched the same like teaching video and now we're all processing it and I'm holding space for you and you're holding space for me, like in whatever that looks like. Could you give a very brief explanation of what a woman's circle is? Because I don't think people would know necessarily. Totally. So if you don't follow Krista Black Gifford, you should. she has written two books. Uh, one's called Heart Made Whole. The other is God Loves Ugly. Um, and she was very much a part of the charismatic Christian movement for a very long time. Uh, she toured with the Jonas Brothers. I mean, she's she's very, like, well-known. I mean, she wrote, like, t- uh, co-wrote, like, is it 10,000 Reasons? No. I don't know. She co-wrote a song that went viral in the Christian world and... She's very well-known, and she had a deconstruction journey, and she created something called the Women's Circle that you do, like, pay to participate, um, but it's nine months. <laughs> and it's, like, a intensive, like, you get a meditation on Tuesday, you get a message on Thursday, you, like, have a structure, you have a small group, you have all these things, Um And I did it two years in a row. And basically, a lot of it is reflective of her deconstruction journey. It's pretty mystical. It's very spiritual. There's some loose Christian roots. But overall, the focus is women, feminine, and the goodness your body inherently holds. So it's essentially a course, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) It's much more, but yes. (laughs) Retreat. A retreat. um, Yeah. Yeah. It's all the things. And you explore a lot of topics. There's a lot of inner healing. You learn things like nonlinear movement practice. You explore father wounds, mother wounds. I mean, all the things. Um, it's great. great. It's been very influential for me. For me, I feel like the thing that has kept me, like, stable. Rooted. <laughs> rooted, yeah. yeah. In, in deconstructing is is the fact that that church that I started going to as a Christian was always their one of their biggest emphases was that God is big enough for your questions mm. and that was super valuable to know um they were so big on encouraging you to seek after what the Bible actually says seek after 
a, a genuine relationship with God. And um, they, yeah, were always open to debate and things. And, and I would debate my pastor and disagree with him about lots of things. And so I, I think that that being my foundation in Christianity really helped me to be able to say whenever questions came up, whenever I started to question a piece of theology, I was like, okay, well, at the core of this, I, I know Jesus and that's, that's what I need. And Jesus is okay with me asking about these things. And, um, so I think that having that as like a really core part of my beginning of my faith that gave me the ability to, to question really freely. Um, and I feel like also just the fact that, like I already said, it was so gradual that I was able to sort of sit with questions and like I, people would push me a little bit one way or, or bring one thing up and it would reinforce something in me or it would make me start to question something. And it was like, okay, like we're just gonna, like me and God are just gonna walk through this, you know? So I think that, yeah, that the, the I had a very secure knowledge that it was okay. Like I was like, I know Jesus is God. So like we carry on, you know? <laughs> So that was my, that was the most stabilizing thing to me and always has been. Like, that's always what I fall back on is like, okay, well, this is the knowledge that I have. And now where do we work from that? Mm. I think like, that's a good thing. Like knowing God and like staying focused on him. Just the other night I picked up Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Ooh. And. Any Tozer is good. (laughs) And most, mostly because I wanted to have something prepared, but also because I felt a little pressure to, like, have arrived at some sort of revelation. But I didn't arrive at any revelation. I just um, – there's one piece in the in the opening chapter, and he talks about, like, as a society, like, we are moving away from God or whatever. Like, churches are becoming more and more successful, but, like, internally maybe – completely empty essentially like we're winning from the outside view in but from the inside we're like crumbling is essentially what he's saying and he was saying like moving away from anything other than just focusing on knowing who god is is like Mm -hmm. leading us into like when we start focusing on works when we start focusing on like the size of our congregation the number of souls that we've saved the emotional intensity of the room and during worship like we've stopped focusing on the thing that like our life practices to do which is to know god Mm -hmm. and to study him and to behold him essentially and as i was reading that i was like oh like i think that's where that's where i need to be right now is just okay i i don't need to like worry about all the swirl because there's a lot of swirl like, I just need to focus on knowing the holy mm. and having knowledge in the holy. And so, anyways, but what's interesting about that is, I like, when I got to Reading, I went through a forgiveness journey. And, like, I'm talking, like, childhood wounds, recent wounds, all, like, just forgiveness was, like, my year. Mm. And just, like, and there were some people I really, really, really did not want to forgive. And I have, like, pages and pages in my journal of, like, okay, God, I forgive this person. I forgive them for this. I forgive them for that. I forgive them for that one time they did this. I forgive them. Like, just, like, listing out all Mm. the things that people had done that had hurt me. 
And um, it was an amazing thing. At the end of it, I felt empty. Mm. Like I felt dried out. I felt emotionally like bare to Mm. the world. And I think, and during that season, I would go to church and I like wouldn't be able to, like I couldn't handle the, I don't even know, like the emotion, the present, like it was just overwhelming to me. And anytime I would like pray, anytime I would worship, I was just like a puddle of tears. And Mm -hmm. I felt like, I'm like, I got, I got nothing. Yeah. And, um, so what's interesting is as we were reflecting on this podcast, I was actually thinking back to like, okay, what was my process over the last couple of years? And like, what has it been like? And I was reminded of this poem that I wrote in a journal. We're about to get real vulnerable here, people. Um, where I had just, I just felt so overwhelmed by, I don't know, like the presence of God I don't know Mm -hmm. like the experience I don't even know how to explain it like just like it's too much um that like I wrote this and I think maybe God like listened to this prayer which has maybe been good and maybe to my detriment in some in some cases but um it is by no means a work of art but it captures like I think the my heart sentiment. So here we go. Well, I think anything that flows out of someone creatively <laughs> is a work of art. So well, I just That's, mean uh, it's not, not my true. best work. It's just, but it's very like authentic and true. So mm-hmm. here we go. Your love rushes over me like a heavy rain on dry ground. I can't breathe. And when the sun rises, my cracked surfaces remain the same. I'm thirsty. I can't drink. Nothing can break through to me. Nothing can break me. Your presence is all around me. You're knocking on all my doors and my window pane. I let you knock. I'm listening. You're like a flood, and I can't breathe, and I can't drink. Wellspring of life, lover of my soul. Don't rain on me. You're overwhelming. I'm not ready. You keep pouring, and I am drenched, and I am thirsty, and I am nothing. Please, just one drop at a time, just a drizzle, a mist. Soften my parched lips so that I can drink you in, but don't rain. I can't survive this rain. So I think, like, I hit a point where I was like, I don't, I have nothing. Mm. And it felt like, God, I need you to soften me. Because mm. I'm just all dried out. And this, like, extremely passionate amazing place that I've landed feels like an emotional like rainstorm Mm. and I'm just like trying to breathe here Mm. and so if I were to sum it up I think trust has been a theme is like okay god like how can we like slowly walk back into this together? Mm. And I feel like um, rebuilding that trust has been a very slow journey. Mm. And I feel like when I open up a Bible, 
it's like God takes me in little tiny baby steps. Mm. And we do little bits and pieces together. Mm. Um, I don't know, because it just, it feels like the practice, the practices that I grew up and became what I felt so proficient in. Like one day I think I woke up and I just felt like I didn't have the energy anymore. Mm. And so I think now I'm learning to... What does this look like if I'm just like... If if my one goal is just to know you? Mm. And like who really are you? And I, so, I mean, all the things that I, that I would do, like attending events and being at things and volunteering and serving, like, and reading my Bible every day and like all of those like things that had made me what I thought to be a Christian mm. have suddenly become like, okay, they're the, like, I can't work for you anymore. Like I have to be in you. Mm. So, Yeah. And I have by no means, by no means have I arrived anywhere. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of sums up like the deconstruction journey for me. That's so beautiful though. Cause that's honestly, that's the only way you actually will know him. That's the only way you will know God. Like if you are like, well, I'm going to church and I'm reading my Bible and I'm doing all these things. And I'm like, those are good things. I'm not saying those are bad. I'm just saying God isn't necessarily inherently there. Like going through the process and taking it step by step together, that is a a very different journey. And... I think in a lot of ways more intimate and I, I mean I understand I definitely resonate with what you read quite a bit especially since um, the past few years there was a tragedy that happened in our community that I won't get into um, and everyone was going after this one thing and relentless about it and it broke me and I had been not really, I've not been consistently going to church for a long time. And I've not been consistently reading my Bible for a long time. But also, I had been doing those things for my entire life until I was about 21. And I just, I also understand that, like, I can't work for this anymore. Like, I don't have this in me. And after this tragedy happened, something broke in me and I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't do this. I don't know how to define this, but to me, this is not, this isn't for me. That doesn't mean it's bad and that doesn't mean it's not holy and it's not good. It just means like I cannot function like in whatever's happening over here. And it's been a lot of the fuel for my deconstruction as well of like okay god like you actually care about my emotions you actually care about these things that the church has set to the side these things that are important to our humanity that are important as creations of you and actually i don't think it's okay to put those aside and i actually want to reclaim that and in that process in that mystery in that gray because god is a lot of gray um, 
I feel myself separating further and further from the church and that's a hard process and that's different from what you were describing but I understand the idea of like I just need a drop at a time I can't take this downpour because I will literally drown and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing I feel like that speaks to who we are as people we can only take so much yeah I think I went so hard like Believing, I don't know what I believed in, but I was ready to, like, be on the missions field. And, like, I think I can liken it to Peter wanting to walk on water. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to walk on water. Like, let's get out there. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually get out there, I realized, like, oh, like, it was not a superficial fear that Peter had of the wind and the waves. Like, Mm. those wind and the waves were, like, those wind and waves were literally seconds, moments away from, like, destroying him and tearing him apart, you know? Like, they could easily, he was nothing in the the face of them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's okay that he got afraid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... And God pulled him out. Yeah. But, you know, he swallowed a lot of water in the process, maybe. And he <laughs> he got beat around a little bit before Jesus grabbed his arm. And um, I think, like, I've been coughing up water and looking at the ocean, the, you know, the spiritual ocean or whatever it may be, and trying to decide if I want to step back out there again, you know. And yeah. I, and I don't think God's necessarily asking me, but, like, I think there's a fear in me of, like, what of what that really means and yeah. what I'm really sacrificing and giving up. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's one of those things you can only learn through experience, I guess. Totally. Yeah. And, I mean, I think – and you talk about, like, arriving and, like, that idea. I think that that's – impossible you know deconstruction to me is actually something that should happen throughout your entire life like Mm -hmm. it's not a phase it's not a midlife or quarter-life crisis like it's not um questioning of whether you should be a christian or not although i do think that we should question whether or not we should be christians and i think that's healthy Mm -hmm. i think that it's it's a it's a process because we are only finite humans and we are learning about this infinite and beautiful and good god that is we can know but we can't fully know you know <laughs> you know <laughs> you know you know, yeah. you know gosh um yeah like it, it to me it's it, it's it's going to be a journey forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is no such thing as this arrival or this accomplishment or this success that that is the Christian faith. Like, that's a, a fallacy that we've made up in the Christian church as we idolize people and pastors and people who are, quote-unquote, good Christians. And so that's one thing that I think about a lot with 
with deconstruction, like to me, it's, it's hard to pin down because to it really should be constant. Mm -hmm. It's just part of life. We're always reevaluating and growing and changing. And if we're not, then what are we doing? Like we're just stagnant. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And I think there's like this deep, I think there's a deep fear in the church particularly in my experience with the older generation of like, oh, you're deconstructing, you're walking away from God, you're walking away from the faith or tradition in the faith or whatever that looks like. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm actually like hurling myself into darkness. Who knows? I've been literally for the past probably like six years meditating on this, on this verse that says, and Moses went up into the deep darkness where he knew God was. And I'm just like hurling myself into that darkness and we'll see where we land. I have no idea. But I'm like, actually, I'm trusting God's going to catch me. And I'm trusting he's okay with my questions and he'll hold space for it. And actually, he says in his word, if we ask answer, he will give answers. And I'm okay with that. And there's a process and a dance with that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know where we're going to land, but we're going and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to trust that. Mm. And again, I, I feel like I've learned more about him and his kindness, if you believe God's a him. Um, and just being okay with the process and knowing he's okay with the process. And like that is true relationship. It's like everyone talks about how hard marriage is. Or not everyone. Everyone talked to me about how hard marriage is before I got married. And once I got married, I realized it's not that marriage is hard. It's that you're continuously building a relationship and a relationship with a person you live with. And that takes time and investment. God is the same way. I am not, I am continuously building a relationship with this being that is not human and that is my creator. And that relationship I'm not actually going to depend on not to get all up into church but I'm not going to depend on someone else telling me what this person is like I'm going to go find out for myself and I'm going to dive into that and not that someone else's experience or preaching or whatever not that that's not good it is good but for me I'm like I'm actually going to go after my own answers and my own relationship and just see what happens well and you you do seek like the teachings of others I do and so it's not it's just even if you're not attending a Sunday service at a church like Mm -hmm. you have people that you gain knowledge from Mm -hmm. their experiences like the woman who does the woman's circle Mm -hmm. or Morgan Day Cecil or um any other like teachers that you listen to and mm-hmm. things like that like that's still like that aspect of you know gaining from other people's perspective and from their experience with God and that's mm-hmm. part of what church is yeah I think for them though it's a little more around like femininity and like spirituality versus like God himself but aren't they all interconnected <laughs> they are connected that is true um but yeah it's it's an interesting trust fall Trust fall is a good way of saying it. I think like, okay, God, if I really don't do these things, you really still love me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you're really still there for me, like, for sure. Yeah. 
I think I always think of like Graham Cook. I went through a phase where I really loved Graham Cook. Who didn't? S- still love him, but no, 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 no. oh girl, I'll show you. Um, but he he has this famous um, phrase that's like he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing God that you can do to make God love you less. He will love you the same forever and always. And I'm like, damn. We don't actually believe that in the church because we that's not how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. Our approval and holiness or whatever we perceive each other as is conditional based on either what you look like or what you perform like. And I'm like, actually, I'm not interested in playing that game. So I'm just going to like tap out for a season and see where it goes. Yeah. I think our episode with Reva recently was really... I don't know, beautiful. It's been sticking with me because she talks about, like, the bride of Christ, she ugly. You know, like, (laughs) we just can, I mean, and I think, especially with, like, the events of the last year and a half, like, we can look at the church and the way that they responded to things and, like, be like, wow, we've got a lot of crap. Yeah. Um, But also keeping, holding intention, like, the deep, deep love that God has for her. Mm -hmm. And, like... With that in mind, the church herself has no has nothing in her own strength that she can do to be enough or yeah. to get better or to heal or to heal the world. But like yeah. humility paired with God's grace mm. is like the hope that we have. Yeah. Like humans are not it. <laughs> You know, like we, we're not it. So as beautiful and wonderful as both of your reflections have been on this, obviously it's not popular to talk about it in the church, I would say. Um, So I'm curious, like, what have responses been like to you sharing your journey or talking about things, asking questions, Mm. making unconventional decisions. What do people think about that? I, it's like my first thought is like (laughs) that there haven't been negative responses really for me, but there's a few things that I can think about that were kind of negative to neutral. I'd say, like, for example, I actually left a church because I decided that they didn't align with the theology that I thought was biblical um, when it came to spiritual gifts. And so I, like, sat down with the pastor of that church. I had been going there for a couple of years. I was very involved. It was a very small church. It was a new church. And um, sat down with the pastor and his wife and had dinner with them and talked to them about this. And they were basically like, well, if those are the things you want, you'll just have to go somewhere else. And I was like, all right, I will. <laughs> and then I did. And so it, it, it wasn't negative, but it was definitely like, well, we just don't have that for you. Mm. Like, we bless you and whatever you want to do. Like, we're not going to say, like, leave our church. But they're also saying, if those are the things you want from a church, we're not going to give you those things. Mm. Um, and I've definitely had, like, People question, for example, like women in leadership at church, um, which is something that I had a whole deconstruction process around. Uh, But it's funny because I feel like 
those people that have questioned it to me in the past are now on my side. So it's, <laughs> and like, and that just came from like having good conversations about it and being open about it. And um, I think that, I, I think especially since um, I come from a non-Christian home, like mm-hmm. my family was actually, I think excited at my deconstruction because it meant that I became less Christian-y and they felt like they could relate to me more because I was leaving a side that was a bit more legalistic and um, leaving a a faith that looked so like radical, I guess, to them um, and that made them feel like they were being judged. Um, and that was a big part of my deconstructing as well was realizing like that judgment wasn't actually something that I needed to do, you mm-hmm. know? And so, uh, I think that from my family, I can understand, I feel like in deconstruction, a lot of times people's families are the ones that get the most upset. Um, but my family was pretty stoked on it. <laughs> like they were like, you'll drink now. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> or you'll like, I don't know act like a normal human instead of a (laughs) little christian girl Mm. but um yeah so for me there's not really been a ton of negative responses or like backlash i mean through the podcast we've had some negative backlash about our views um Mm -hmm. which are typically views held by those who have deconstructed ideas that the church um has implemented over the years but yeah Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm very careful with who I share with and who I share what with. And so I wouldn't, I, I don't really give people the opportunity to, um, give me negative backlash because it's not up for a discussion. You know, it's like not, it's not your journey. It's my journey. Um, and I also tend to hold things very closely for a while before I share them. And so by the time I'm very open about something, I've thought about it for months um, and prayed about it and talked about it with close people. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily give people the opportunity, but I'm also not super open with everyone that I know I know their devout Christian beliefs because I actually don't I don't, it's not on my agenda today to be called a heretic. So, (laughs) um, didn't put that in the planner. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I also, like, I understand the mindsets of where people come from because I came from similar mindsets. And also, like, I, like, there was not a moment I didn't genuinely believe my faith. I was never that person, like, trying to look a certain way or perform a certain way even though that's okay like I actually don't have judgments around that because we create an environment that cooks that up for people but praises it yeah and praises it but there was not a moment that my faith wasn't genuine and there's not a moment now that my deconstruction faith of faith isn't genuine and so I'm just kind of sticking to my guns with it and you know I'm super grateful that I have great people to process things with like that safely. Um, So, but that being said, 
there definitely are some people that have expressed concern and been like, oh my gosh, but like, what are you doing to stay close to Jesus? And I'm like, well, if Jesus lives in my heart and I'm his home and his temple, like, I don't need to do anything to separate myself from him. So like, why is that even a conversation? Um, you know, things like that. But again, I also don't, don't give a lot of stake in that perspective because I used to have that perspective. And then I decided that's not serving me anymore. Um, and I need to figure something else out with God. So that kind of answers and not answers your question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, that's relatable. Cause like with the background that I have, very, like I have a family that's very deep in the faith. I have parents, friends, et cetera, who like love the Lord. And I love that. Um, and so to a, an extent, there is like a level of, like, we're going to choose how much we're going to share. Like, mm. you know, like, we, we don't have to, like, be with each other in every step of this journey, depending on, like, how close you are to me in this mm. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, concern probably would be the biggest one. Or let's sit down and, like, discuss has been, you know, like, mm, mm. I want to talk about this with you. Like, let's sit across the table and argue why women can't lead in the church. You oh, know, things like yeah, that where it's, hard. like... I understand the heart behind it, right? Because mm-hmm. having grown up in that environment, there's like a very real fear of incorrect theology. There's a very real fear of heresy. There's a very real fear that like someone could go down a really bad path and like God wouldn't be able to redeem them. Which, you know, like sometimes you got to brush those off as yeah. you're doing stuff like this because like growing up and believing that and then having people all around you who believe that mm-hmm. can just get sort of stressful on the mind. But, um, yeah, I would say, like, those are the biggest. And then, of course, like, the podcast. Like, we've shared a lot of our deconstruction journey with all of the woman beings who listen to this already and men beings. And mm-hmm. um, we get some feedback or we get some thoughts or we hear third party about someone who listened to our podcast and is very uncomfortable with it or whatever that Mm -hmm. may be um and so like yeah i don't know i don't think anyone's like reprimanded me by any means yeah i mean that'd be an interesting experience for me because i'm like um i'm actually not a child and you don't need to discipline me (laughs) so don't try to reprimand me for like being an adult and making adult decisions you know like that's like that's irritating and then also like I don't love the the debate I know some people thrive in it but um I do not this idea of we're gonna sit down and like discuss and I'm like no you get that privileged information through relationship with me and like trying to persuade me isn't gonna make me feel safe Mm -hmm. it's gonna make me feel like you don't care to understand why you're just trying to provide me the correct answer I don't, I don't super love that style in general. And it's something very favored by the church. And I think it's okay for some people, but not everyone's, like, down for that, you know? Well, and I think because, that, because of that and because of the way the church is, like, deconstruction can be a very lonely journey. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because questions are not something that we discuss out in the open. Mm-hmm. And I've heard many people who will say, deconstruction is okay but like don't talk about it until you've like 
circled back to the truth or you know don't talk about it until like you've arrived somewhere or like gotten through it like there has to be you know there has to be like a light at the end of the tunnel if you're gonna like have discussions and I'm like sometimes there's no light at the tunnel I'm just here I'm like doing my best to trust that God has the his best for me and like Mm -hmm. it's I think it's very sad that so many people are probably going through the same thing and don't have anybody to talk to about it because yeah. in the Christian world, we don't talk about it. Yeah. yeah, that viewpoint is actually one that makes me really mad because I've heard people say that. They're like, don't be open about the process. Don't talk about uh, questioning. Don't talk about uh, all of that you're going through until you have an answer to give. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, how do you expect people to go through that process if they think they're entirely alone in it? Like, isn't the Christian walk all about community? Mm -hmm. Isn't it all about building one another up? Like, why on earth would you do things in silence, in secret, when that is literally where the Lord tells us that, like, sin thrives and that, that, like, like, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also totally opposite of what the bible does Mm -hmm. like the bible puts you into process you read david's process all through psalms you read about jesus's process as he prays in the garden of gethsemane and asks god to take away the burden that he's going to have to bear Mm -hmm. like it's it's just absolutely ridiculous Mm -hmm. to even say that like i don't understand like to me it's it's undermining what god can do Mm mm-hmm 100%. It's people who are afraid. Yeah. 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 And it's real fear. Like, hell is real. Or, I mean, like, I guess not everybody believes that. But, like, the the fear of hell, the the reality of the fear of hell is real. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, and people have been told to be very, very concerned about it. Mm -hmm. I think Jesus tells us to be very concerned about it. We get it. But, like, also, if God's grace extends into the depths of Sheol, then, like, trusting that it really does do that is going to be, like, integral to anybody's faith journey, unless you're going to live a faith that doesn't question anything and puts your blinders on and moves forward and doesn't grow. Mm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. To me, it's almost, it's like, it's a lack of faith that God's, God can work, you know? Yeah. It's saying, oh, like, if you let people in on this, if you talk about this too much, then you're just going to, like, lead a whole flock away. And yeah. it's like, I I think that God is powerful. Like, you say God is powerful, and I agree. And so why don't you trust God to take care of this? Mm. Like, sure, like, we can if, – if someone seeks counsel or seeks advice about a, a topic they're struggling with or that they're grappling with that has to do with the Bible or the church or, or just things that are taught in Christianity, yes, like, walk with them – in that and talk to them about it but it's also i mean our salvation is our own mm-hmm. our relationship with god is our own mm-hmm. and we should walk in community but at the same time we're not responsible for each other yeah. like god is mm-hmm. yeah and i think i'm okay i had to break up with the idea that i had to be right like i'm actually okay radically pursuing what I'm pursuing right now and at the end of my life if I see Jesus face to face and he's like you got it wrong but that's okay I still love you I don't care 
I'm okay getting it wrong. I don't know if any of us are going to be free of that, of hearing that we got it wrong. Right. But there's this mentality right. that's like, well, you can get it wrong and you better not get it wrong. And I'm like, we're all getting it wrong. Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I am okay being completely off base as long as it's genuine, it's good, it's pursuing God and holiness and then being like, well, I tried my very best, and I, and I was genuine. And at the end of the day, like, God knows people's hearts. Yep. You don't. Totally. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> we can't. I'm just, I'm trying to understand my own heart. <laughs> like, that is my capacity yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, those sort of, like, loving, let's talk about this, but I'm trying to convince you conversations are not helpful, no, which I think dissuades people from being open and honest about it, which I think leads to a very lonely deconstruction journey, which, mm-hmm. if we are vessels of the Holy Spirit, that means, and we see this in the Bible all the time, that means that God actually wants to work through people who are near you. Yep. He has, like keys for you and things for you and the people that are around you not because they have advice to give but because he's working through them yeah and so yeah i think like it's really sad to me that people have that viewpoint because we we really need each other we do and not everything has to be done behind closed doors yeah and we need different expressions of god and we need different wisdom that people bring and like dare i say it she said it I said it oh my god I said it I don't necessarily believe other religions but I do think God is so good that he can show up in other ways I'm kind of like whispering it because I'm scared to say it (laughs) again don't want to be called a heretic but here we are so speaking of things that are hard to say what are what are some of the terms that are taboo within the church that you've become comfortable with over time in your deconstruction journey we're kind of like shifting a little bit like Mm. let's talk about like some of the things that people never want to say that we're like you know what it's actually okay if you say them feminist Mm -hmm. democrat that's a liberal liberal um it's okay to be gay (laughs) yeah uh like There's so much. I feel Mm -hmm. like, here's the thing. Words have lots of meanings, Mm -hmm. right? And their meanings are nuanced, and it changes depending on who you're talking to. One of those words that I often think about that has a lot of different meanings is the word Christian. Mm -hmm. Because to say that you're a Christian means so many different things, especially now. Um, Christian could mean white evangelical person who is very conservative politically and voted for Donald Trump. Christian could mean pro-life Democrat person who um, believes in social justice. Like, I think that also it could mean Presbyterian, it could be Methodist, it could mean Catholic, it could mean um, charismatic. There's so much. And so when I think about words, I think Christians get scared of words because they have one meaning they've associated mm. with it rather than recognizing the nuance of varied meanings that come along with a word. So a word like feminist, for example, is one that people have a lot of negative associations with. They're like, if you're feminist, you hate men. 
if you're feminist, then you're gonna not shave and not wear a bra, which, well, here Sometimes. I am. <laughs> yeah, and then Deal with it. if you're a feminist, then you're a lesbian or like just yeah. like all these things. And it's like, oh, actually, also, if you're a feminist, you believe in equality. Mm-hmm. If you're a feminist, you recognize the disparities in the ways that women are treated that are still prevalent in our world today. Mm-hmm. If you're a feminist, then you advocate for women's rights around the world and the ways that women are mistreated around the world. So, like, I, that that's one of the things that gets me with that. But those are some of the terms that have become more familiar to me um another one that i think of that goes into the femininity thing as well which i know a lot of people get upset about is um the femininity of the holy spirit uh is something that has become part of my deconstruction journey and Mm -hmm. i actually think of holy spirit as my sister and my mother and as this this feminine side if you will of god um because god is very feminine god Mm -hmm. has a womb and labor pains and God um, speaks in a way that is motherly and nurturing. And so that's one thing that has become part of my like vernacular since Mm. deconstructing things or as I've been deconstructing things is like, okay, I can actually think of God in a more expansive way Mm -hmm. um, and recognize even biblically, like the way that Holy Spirit is spoken about is a woman mm-hmm. <laughs> so that that's my like yeah trigger one that will make people upset <laughs> i love that one i actually um i don't believe god has a gender but i do love to say mother god because the way i experience god will be very different when i approach the feminine side of the divine versus the masculine and as someone who has done a lot of work to heal through father wounds and but also had a pretty volatile relationship with her father like addressing mother god feels very different and it feels very safe and um of course i've always interacted with god as masculine and prayed to father god um especially growing up but now as an adult i'm like you know I think Mother God is really beautiful and um, f- feeling God in that space is is great. Um, but yeah, all the ones you mentioned, Emma, uh, for Sorry sure. Sorry to monopolize. No, that. I love it. Um, I would say I have more trigger words now associated with Christianity, specifically in certain ways people pray. Um, I really can't stand more God. Like, I really can't stand that. Um, Like, who are you to demand more of God when he has already given you everything you could ever ask for? Um, Just to say that. Um, And, yeah, I just really, I can't stand that. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of of little trigger words, um, specifically the way people tend to talk about the Holy Spirit can be pretty triggering for me especially in that that sense of like who are you to demand blah 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 but also um it's always been very hard for me the way people talk about humanity um I remember from a very young age I wouldn't sing to save a wretch um in amazing grace I would change it to say to save someone like me because I could not believe that that as a creation of God, being created in God's image, that I'm a wretch. I think that is not true. Um, and so for me, a lot of 
my deconstruction has also been falling in love with my humanity um, and that a lot of things we probably demonized aren't necessarily bad things and what does it actually look like to be a reflection of the divine to be made in that image um, means you could probably kind of look a little bit like him too. I went through a season where I read um, when Noah built the ark after the flood it said and the it says and the the aroma was pleasing to god and i just had this like moment this like brain meltdown of like wait god smells do you mean the altar the altar yeah okay so he said an altar and he burned some stuff and (laughs) god was like "Mm, that smells nice um and i remember just like having this like brain moment of like wait god smells god takes pleasure in smell does god have a nose like i just like had that like little like series of thought and so I think there's a lot of things we assume about humanity and about God that have now become a little triggering for me especially because I was so inundated with Christian culture um for years and years and years and now I'm like I need to get a little bit out of that um but yeah there's plenty of trigger things (laughs) (laughs) God is or not God um church's family Mm, that's a good one. The church organizations oh, as we're, family. We're family. We're family. This is oh. a family. But what about it? Well, I think, A, I think it makes unspoken promises that aren't true. Mm. Like, my family's there for me whenever, and not my family. Well, yes, but family, I think maybe I have expectations around the word, but ought to have your best interest in mind. Mm. Your church organization, your church doesn't necessarily have those things. Or like the random person within your church. Like Mm. there are so many factors going into it and people have different motivations. And so to just claim all across the board, we're family, we can trust each other, not true. Mm. I think like relationship needs to be built over time for anyone to earn that title in my life. Mm -hmm. So... I don't like that being thrown around, even though I know that we're part of the family of God or whatever. But, like, it's a lot. I think it gets, like, misused and overused in a way that is not helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, like, you don't know me. That's that's my issue. When it's like, we're family. I'm like, no, no, no. My family knows who I am. You don't know shit about me. <laughs> <laughs> that That's where it gets problematic for me. But yeah. I'm with you. I feel it, girl. It just feels like, uh, do you really mean that? I don't think you mean that. Yeah. I don't think that's I'm true. I'm sorry. If I called you at 3 a.m., you probably wouldn't pick up. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I'm sorry, but, like, you have boundaries and I need to have boundaries. And, like, yeah. we all need to have boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries but, are good. You know. If you listen to Reva's episode, she has a lot of great thoughts about this that, you know. So much wisdom. Has helped to redefine the word for me in a, little, in a, in a few ways. But, you know, mm. I just get triggered when someone just throws that out there, you know. Yeah. Like, we've never said, this is a woman being family. No, that's we're not a family. No, no, no. We're a community. We're friends. We are empowering each other and lifting each other up. We'll hold space. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're slowly building trust over time. Mm-hmm. And if you may happen to come into my life in a way that is family-like, you may one day earn the title. <laughs> one phrase that triggers me from Christianity is um, stumbling block. Ooh, girl, you oh, girl, you got it. Used for women. You got it. Yeah. First of all, 
you're objectifying me. I'm not a block. You are not an inanimate object. Um, and I am not here setting myself up for you to trip over me. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I'm not responsible for your actions and your thoughts mm-hmm. and your lust or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. Yeah. And sure, there is a balance of caring for one another, mm-hmm. right? Uh, an example I think of, and I think I've used in the podcast before, um, maybe w- in one of our purity culture episodes or modesty, just listen to all of them to find out, <laughs> uh, is I um, had a friend who struggled with alcohol a lot, and so I wouldn't drink around them. Yeah. And that was, you know, my choice as a friend. They didn't even ask me to do that. Um, but it was something because I was conscious of this. And uh, at the same time, though, if I were to drink in front of them, it is not my fault if they drink. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's not my I'm not their keeper. I'm not their parent. I'm not oh their God. <laughs> OK, but the problem with that analogy in the first place is that random guys who I've never talked to in my entire life would be like, if I was an alcoholic, you wouldn't drink about me. Or if I was on a diet, you wouldn't eat a hamburger around um, me. If and you I'm were like, on a diet, I a thousand percent <laughs> would eat a hamburger Yeah, first of you. all, who says that I have to change my diet to like appease, uh, you. appease you? But secondly, I'm not sitting next to you at this proverbial picnic table in the first place. I don't even know you. I'm like across the lawn over there having a drink. And if you're an alcoholic and having problems with that, then like stay off the lawn like mm-hmm. go somewhere else like this is not my problem i don't know yeah. you so like yeah yeah well that's the thing that i'm trying to point out is that it those types of things can only come with relationship right mm-hmm. um so if i'm in relationship with somebody maybe you'll make concessions about different things but like i'm not here to to cater to the possibility of every other person right mm-hmm. Things, you know, and I think stumbling block is used a lot in purity culture, but it's used in other things, too. It's used in in the example of of drinking. It's used in um, cursing or what movies you watch or um, what music you listen to. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I've heard the narrative of like, oh, if you're going to have like younger Christians in the car with you, like, don't listen to music that's not Christian or else they'll stumble, you know, so things like that where it's. It's like, oh, gosh, like, first of all, we all know how to walk. We're not babies. Yeah. We can, you know, operate through the world mm-hmm. <laughs> and function. Um, and if there's a block in front of you, walk around it. Yeah. No need to stumble over yeah. it. Well, we <laughs> yeah. We didn't teach some people, like, use your eyeballs and yes. notice when there's something in front of you. Like, yeah. yeah. What are you walking around with your eyes closed? Because yes. it's not it's not my job. It's not no. my job. <laughs> it's also insinuating like I am intentionally doing something, not moving when I see you walking towards me and just saying like not sorry. Mm-hmm. Like I did this on purpose. And then again, like you guys said, like this like I'm walking around with my eyes closed. So it's saying the party that stumbles upon has is not responsible for having their eyes closed. It's also insinuating, like, that we are just malis- malis- malicious. Thank Maliciously. you. I was trying to say Maleficent for someone, for some reason. But anyway. Maleficent is a someone. She is a someone. <laughs> um, but that also we are, tra- we are doing that intentionally 
to cause harm. I'm like, I don't have enough energy for that. Like, I'm just trying to, like, make sure I get enough sleep and eat and keep my house clean and go do fun things once in a while. Like, I I do not have the emotional mental space to cause someone else to stumble in their journey. So anyway, all that to say, I'm just trying to take care of myself, make sure <laughs> I'm thriving. And I don't necessarily actually ever have the thought of, oh, maybe I can, like, make someone question their faith today. Like like a snake in like the grass. Like a snake in the grass, like a snake in the garden, because Eve is, like, more capable of being deceived because she ate the fruit first. It's, like, the worst lie I've ever heard. But anyway, I think on that note, heretic, the word heretic is also very triggering for me. Um, or heresy especially because it makes people afraid to explore other thought processes or patterns um, or beliefs about God, beliefs about the Bible. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like heresy is something that is ill-defined in the Christian Very ill-defined. sphere. And so, like, because it's ill-defined, it's like it could be anything. Mm-hmm. You could you could turn the corner and there's the heresy, you know? Like, it feels almost like the yep. boogeyman. Mm. Yeah, at risk of offending our good friend Lana, I hate the word tribe. Mm. Okay, I don't hate the word, but I hate like, okay, you and your seven white friends are not a tribe. All right? Let me just tell you right now, you're not a tribe. Yeah. That's called cultural appropriation. Enjoy. And <laughs> it's not trendy and it's not cool and so just don't. Yeah. That's my... Yeah. I feel like that gets used in Christian it's circles a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of words. We could probably go on about it, but here's the thing. What people really want to know is what are the takeaways from this deconstruction journey that we've all been through on different levels and in different ways and in different capacities and we're all in different places. But what advice, I guess, do you have for somebody else who's questioning, who has, you know, sort of pulled away, who doesn't really know where they belong Mm. through their deconstruction journey? Mm. I mean, I think definitely for me, uh, there's a lot of gray There's also a very big difference between people and God. Like, people have unfortunately misrepresented Jesus and misrepresented God. And I think it's caused a lot of hurt and a lot of people to fall fall away. I don't like that word. But to leave, to choose better for themselves. And I actually don't think that that's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to choose better for yourself. I do think, though, that there is a space for you within a relationship with God and Jesus. Um, I think you kind of need to trust your gut, trust yourself. If something feels off, if something feels not quite right, like talk to someone you trust about it um, and see if their their experience is similar or if something feels off to them as well. I think we need to trust that, you know, if something feels off with me, there's probably something off with someone else too. Um, and I think being okay with following your curiosities, like, you know, I always was really into or intrigued by astrology when I was young and wanted to learn about it. But someone told me that that was witchcraft. And I was like, well, I don't practice witchcraft. I love Jesus. So I'm just not going to think about the stars or do learn anything about them ever, unless it's like in a scientific way. But as an adult, I'm like, actually, the stars are fascinating. Like, I don't take astrology to be Bible truth, but it's interesting to learn about. And like the wise men studied the stars. They were astrologers like and God worked through them and God put them in his book. So 
I think there might be something to that. Again, don't take it as Bible truth. But if you do, I think that's okay too. Um, There's a lot to unravel. There's a lot to learn. And I think being okay in the process and knowing like you're not going to scare God by asking questions. Yeah, I think I have a lot of empathy for people who go through some sort of deconstruction and choose to leave the faith because there's not a lot of openness to deconstruction within the faith and so it feels like well I guess my only option is to leave Mm -hmm. and so my biggest takeaway is probably that Jesus is not I mean you touched on this but Jesus is not the church Mm -hmm. Jesus is not even the bible Jesus is not your pastor, and uh, these are all just ways that we get to know some of Jesus. And I think that Jesus is ultimately good, and that's what it comes down to. God is good, and God wants good for you. Mm -hmm. And there's all everything else is extra Mm. everything else is peripheral like if you do or don't believe in a certain perspective on the end of the world or whether you believe um it's okay to be gay and to be a christian whether you believe in a complementarian or egalitarian form of marriage those things are all secondary to Christ. And I think that those things are important. I think that discussing them, thinking about them, picking them apart are is important. Um, but it just comes back to God to me. And so that's sort of my like encouragement is like hold on to Christ and everything else doesn't matter. Yeah. So find people that are really, really good that you can talk to about it who will actually listen to you openly. And that might feel hard. Um, And you have to be wary that people might try to manipulate you. That's real because people are are flawed. Mm. Um, But having a really good community to talk to about it is really helpful. Um, Who maybe don't even agree with you, but but who won't condemn you. Mm. So, Yeah. I think I hesitate to recommend that you find someone to talk to because not everybody is a safe place to talk to about it just like reality that ultimately would be the thing that like you need you you don't need to be alone on this journey so um be careful who you find but when you find that person stick to a man snatch them you know yeah you gotta trap them them. you gotta hook them in and you gotta keep them and whatever you can because you know like you're not alone and there is a lot of grace for your questions there's actually an abundance of grace for your questions and there's an abundance of grace for your grief Mm. as you move away from what you once thought was it's Mm -hmm. okay to grieve that yeah and it's okay to um let everything take a break for a little while if you need to yeah so I think like I think God is so much bigger than than my performance 
and what I can do and the places that I can go. Mm. And um, if he has chosen me and I have chosen him, like, that's that's the most important thing. I, I, I don't think, like, I will ever stay in the same place forever. So, yeah. you know, if it sucks right now, it won't suck another time. If it yeah. doesn't suck right now, it will probably suck at another point in time. At some point. So. It'll catch up with you. Yeah. I also want to validate that deconstruction is really hard. It's really hard work, and it feels like it shakes you to the core of your identity, especially if you've been raised in the church. But um, and it's very existential, you know? And so, like, pace yourself. Take time. Um don't try to figure it all out at once. You probably won't. And you it could potentially really overwhelm you. So care for yourself and care for your mental health in the journey would be my advice. Yeah, I think that's really key. Like, you don't have to figure it all out at once. It's okay to be working through things and to be working through them for a long time. Yeah. And it's also okay to say, I don't know. Yeah, sit in that mystery. It won't eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll feel like it sometimes, but... <laughs> Follow the Prince of Peace, mm-hmm. or your peace, as they say, or however that may resonate with you, um, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. That's it. So, ladies, I wondered, do you have any resources for the woman beings of things that they can dive into? If dive they, on in if they are on a journey of deconstruction or if they have a friend or if they aren't and are just curious mm. yeah I feel like I have some odd recommendations and I have some obvious recommendations <laughs> uh, the first one that's a little bit odd maybe is actually Love Does by Bob Goff mm. um, this book totally changed the way that I thought about the will of God mm. and the way that I thought about love Um, I used to be one of those Christians who was hung up on what the will of God was. And Bob Goff is like, the will of God is to love, the end. And you're like, "Um, wait, what? (laughs) And so that's a really great one if you're you're going through that journey of like what the will of God is or of just what it looks like to love people the way Jesus does. His book is really, really good at that. And his second book as well, uh, which is Everybody Always, is really good at that. Um, Another slightly less... Uh, deconstruction-y one, but it's still deconstruction for me, um, which I read a long time ago, but uh, is Crazy Love by Francis Chan because he breaks down a lot about what church actually is Mm -hmm. and um, sort of gets down to the root of saying like church is actually not the way that the church that we do now is not the church of Acts. Mm. Um, And he actually wound up uh, creating house churches and breaking up his giant mega church that he ran and um, was like, no, this is actually community is mm. to do this. And so I, I love that. Um, and then more obvious ones, uh, the Faith and Feminism podcast. Uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, it's by Megan Shantz, who you've probably heard of because she was on one of our episodes. Um, she's amazing. She talks through, um, how you can still be a Christian 
and believe in things like feminism Mm -hmm. um, and advocate for women and all these different things. And uh, in fact, a lot of people might say that she's not a Christian, but she still proclaims the faith and she um, is, I would say she is a Christian. (laughs) Yeah, she is. Yeah. And speaking of Megan Schantz, she also just released a book, uh, which is Woman Rising, Mm -hmm. which I have not read. I pre-ordered it, and it's on my Kindle. I haven't read it yet, but I feel confident being able to recommend that as a deconstruction resource for you um, because of talking to her and um, knowing sort of what the book's about. It's it's largely bringing you into her deconstruction journey. Uh, Another one is Melanated Faith, um, which is two African-American women talking about faith, talking about race. Um, I think that that's one big piece of deconstruction that a lot of Christians have been confronted with recently is like, Mm -hmm. what does it look like to um, do race and diversity in a way that is authentic and godly in the church? Um, Okay, this is my last one. My last one is one that I give like a little bit hesitantly, but it is Uh, the Let's Talk About It podcast, Mm. which is from an organization called Moral Revolution. They've been, there's some things they talk about that I don't necessarily agree with, but they have been really um, pivotal for me in thinking about sexuality, sex, um, relationships in a way that is more um, forgiving and healthier and more Mm. whole. Uh, And yeah. Those are all the ones. I'm surprised you didn't mention the liturgists. Well, I purposefully didn't mention the liturgists, actually. But now we're here. So the liturgists is another one that I've listened to that's helped a lot. Um, I like their earlier podcasts more than the stuff they currently release. Uh, But they, because they've sort of eliminated the Christian voice that they used to have in it. Mm. which was one of the hosts he not he's not been eliminated he just he left mm-hmm. and so he moved on to something yeah else. but like the ones with um he, he's called science mike uh some of those are really really good um and science mike also has some meditations through the liturgists mm-hmm. that are phenomenal you can actually find them on spotify they have a couple of like albums that are meditations and um like sort of meditative music along with guided meditations and the ones that he does specifically are the ones that have really been beneficial to me in recognizing different ways to connect with god Mm. yeah Yeah. nice host michael gunger the other host? Yes, Michael mm. Gungrit. Well, they actually have, um, like, four hosts now. Oh, interesting. So yeah. it's, yeah, multiple people who do it. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, I don't have any, like, really strong recommendations on just deconstruction, especially because a lot of my deconstruction started with, like, reclaiming femininity. So I have a lot of resources on that. But um, I follow women like... Um, Morgan Day Cecil, she's incredible. Like, in my eyes, she can never do anything wrong. Um, but yeah, she's incredible, especially when it comes to reclaiming your sexuality, that it's okay to be a Christian woman and sexy that can exist in the same space, um, and that your sensuality is powerful. Um, I follow as well, like I said earlier, Krista Black Gifford. I've taken, I've done two women's circles with her. She doesn't really have like, ways you can access that information outside the women's circle. So that's a little tricky, but you can totally follow her on social. She has two books out um, as well that were just pre-deconstruction. 
Um, and then I follow people like Ruthie Lindsay. She was raised Christian. She wrote a book. Um, she's a beautiful human, but she does things like tea ceremonies and like she's she's very um, ethereal, if you will. Um, and then feminine, I would suggest. I mean, Lana recommended this, but women who run with wolves. The Wild Woman's Way, which is an incredible book about um, the goodness in your body as a woman and the beautiful everything that you hold. Um, there's also The Dance of the Descendant Daughters, which is a little more feminine, feministy, but also deconstruction-y. Um, that's a good one that I really resonated with. Um, what else? Oh, I also have a podcast that I would recommend, but I would strongly caution you to tread incredibly lightly because I definitely have some residual process that I'm going through now based on that podcast but it's called Heaven Bent I binged it in like literally like 48 hours listened to all two seasons of it um it's really good it's really well done and it's an investigative podcast um which is great if you grew up in revival culture or um have been involved with revival culture or just evangelical charismatic. charismatic or evangelical world in general um she in season one it's all about the toronto outpouring and investigating that and then in season two she actually comes here to reading to bethel which is very interesting for me um to process that as well so but again i highly caution you to move slowly because it's a lot it's a big one speaking of resources that you should move slowly on um pure by linda k klein really deconstructs purity culture as a whole again take it slow i'm like a read a chapter set it down for a couple months type of person with this book it's not something that is like gonna give you answers if you're in the process of deconstruction but it may like if you have residual I don't know, experiences from purity culture, it's a really good book to help you realize, oh, I'm not alone. This is actually like a very serious problem that is happening across all sorts of issues with all sorts of women. And yeah, that's great. Awesome. Cool. So um, would highly recommend just to like be aware and like to know the, the expanse of our purity culture world, I guess. And then I would also recommend, of course, The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer and, you know, like the Bible. So all of that being said, thank you ladies so much for being with me here today. It's always a pleasure to sit down with you on Saturdays and record podcasts together really like is. we've been doing all year. Very hard. And it's just wild to think that we're now on our 39th episode, 40th recording and like dreaming for the future and the things that we want to do next, which, you know, we'll talk about more on our next episode, which is also our finale. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, please give us a follow at woman being podcast. And you can also find us on TikTok. Yeah. The same (laughs) address, same handle. Yes. We have not talked about this. And we've, it's a secret. (laughs) We secretly made a TikTok and didn't tell anybody about it. Except it's all over our Instagram too. But yeah, we haven't talked about it on here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So follow us If you want to follow us on TikTok, you know, you can. It's no big deal. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. We don't know what we're doing. It's cool. Um, And then our website, as always, is womanbeingcommunity.com. 
please follow, like, share, leave a review, and, you know, find our podcast anywhere that you can find a podcast. So without further ado, goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) See you next time.